Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Thank you that you made it possible for every single one of us to go to heaven and live the abundant life with that joy, that peace that you promised with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Lord, I pray today that we would listen to your word today, that we would hear what you have to say to us. This is a message we all need to hear in today's society. Lord, I pray that there's some here that don't know you as Lord and Savior today. They would just trust you and realize that you love them. You're not some cosmic killjoy. But you love them and you care for them. So, Lord, I just pray that they would trust you and come to know you today. And for the rest of us, Lord, that know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that we would just put you first in everything. That we would just let you be the Lord of our life and and just King of kings and the Most High God. And that we would just do all whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all to the glory of you. Lord, just fill me with your spirit now and speak through your word and accomplish the purposes for which you sent it forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. I will say y'all are getting the short version. Seriously. We've been about six weeks on this in the prison. Of course, we've floated over to James chapter 1 and also over to Ephesians. But today we want to talk about 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. So if you have your Bibles with you today, open them. And and the message title today is the test of loving the world or the love that God hates. You know, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we see a biblical view of Jesus. In verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2, we see a biblical view of sin. What is our view of sin? And then in chapter 2, verse 3 through about 14, we see the test of obedience. We see the test of loving the brethren. And we also see that real Christians are going to be growing. And as we get to this section of Scripture, we realize that John is talking to a group of people that are being deceived. And I believe that's exactly where we're at today. We're in a place where we're being deceived. We're being sucked in by the world. And the world is trying to do everything it can to stop us from doing what we were called to do. We have a mission. Our mission is to be God's hands and feet, to be God's workers, to be His people. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and we're chosen to do His good works. That's why we're here. Otherwise, when we get saved, God would just say, come on up, Marty. I don't need you anymore. Come on up. But he leaves us here for a reason, for a purpose. And so, it's very serious business today. You know, this is not one of the messages you always like to preach. But, you know, there's a lot of things. But 
There's a reason Paul prayed that he would be given utterance to boldly proclaim the word of God. Because not all the messages are easy. Not all the messages are fun to preach. It's always good to preach those uplifting, encouraging messages. But there comes a time we need to hear the word of God and we need to be serious about what God calls us to do. And so today we want to talk about 1 John 2, 15 through 17. If you've turned there, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We want to see three things today. The first one we want to see today is we cannot love God and the world simultaneously. Or we cannot love God and the world at the same time. You know the word world, John uses it 22 times in this letter. And basically it means the earth, the people of the earth. The one we want to talk about today is the devil's system of values, priorities, and beliefs. You know, that's what we're talking about today. The devil's system of values. What do you value? What do you believe? And what are your priorities today? That's the question today. We are called to be the people of God, and we're called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. To be his ministers. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5.19 that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. At this time it looks like the devil's winning. But you know ultimately God's in control. But you know what the bottom line is. Is we as Christians today. The church. We're letting people. We're letting the TV. We're letting everything mess up what we're supposed to be doing. We're getting off the track. We're getting off of where God wants us to be. We're not doing what God calls us to do. We're to be the bride of Christ. If we know Jesus Christ, we're considered to be the bride of Christ. And guess what? James 4.4 says, You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And the bottom line is, is if we've gotten so close to the world, we've, we're cheating on God. We're cheating on God. And He calls us adulterers. And, you know, God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to seek Him first. And His kingdom. And His righteousness. And He says all other things will be added unto us. But guess whose kingdom we're usually seeking? Marty's kingdom. Your kingdom. Whatever we think we can get out of this old world, we're out to get it, and we're out to get it now. You know, that's what the value of this world says. You know, worldliness is not enjoying sports, going and enjoying the beach or whatever, unless that becomes an idol to you. But, but it, you know, God wants us to enjoy His creation. God wants us to enjoy His things that He's given us. But when anything becomes more important than God, it has become an idol. And so God says, don't love the world. Don't love their values. Don't love their beliefs. 
and don't love their priorities. And so I want to ask you today, what are your beliefs? What are your priorities? What are your values? What do you hold near and dear? So this message is for all of us because the world's sucking us in. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And he talks about the things in the world. We're talking about the material things. Material things. You know, we're always trying to get more and have more. I remember the old George Carlin thing back in the 70s or whatever. I don't think he ever said much decent. But, you know, he was talking about a place to have stuff, to get more stuff, to have more stuff, a place to keep your stuff. You know, and that's the way we've gotten. I was talking to somebody the other day, talking about their their storage shed, you know, that, that they were paying however much a month to get. And they said, you know, as much as I paid to hold that stuff, I could have bought brand new stuff about five times by now. So all y'all got your storage sheds, go close them down today, give the stuff away and save you money. Just go buy new stuff when you get ready. But, you know, that's where we're at. You know, the system of this world says, let's be greedy. Let's get all we can. Let's get all the gusto we can. Let's do all the things and do what we can now. And that's the devil's lie. The devil lies to us. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10.10. And he wants every single one of us, if we're Christians, his number one job is to keep us from being saved. His number two job is, if we're saved, to keep us from doing God's work. And quit and, and destroy our testimony. And you know what? I look around the world today, and it looks like he's doing a pretty good job. I look around the church today. I see all the busyness. I see all the stuff, all the involvement and things besides church, you know. I guess it doesn't surprise me that I hear a comment that I'm long-winded, you know, because the bottom line is, is people in other countries... People in other places want to come and they'll hear two or three or four sermons and people preach for three hours and then they want to hear more. You know, but yet we can't sit for 30, 45 minutes or an hour and listen to a message. And I'm not trying to justify what I do. I just believe I have a message God's laid on my heart. And, and I preach what I feel like Lord's laid on. When I get through, I'm through. But until we get through, we need to listen to what God has to say. And I, this isn't easy for me, you know, but I just feel like we need to hear some things. We need to get serious about the business of God. And if we don't get serious and we don't do what's right, this country's headed for hell in a handbasket. And we got to do something. And that something isn't the political realm. It isn't the whatever. God's called us to go and make disciples. That's what he's called us. All those other things are good. Yes, but the primary purpose we're here is to glorify God, to honor Him, to let our light shine, and to save souls for His kingdom. That is it. And that's what we're called to do today. So, he says in the last part of verse 15, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, when you think about the souls, there's three souls that... They don't ever bear any fruit. You know what that means? They were never saved. 
There were three seeds, same thing. The fourth soul, fourth seed, bore fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That means the first three never were saved because they never brought fruit to completion. And guess what? One of those souls, one of those seeds, it says because they had the cares and the riches of this world is what pulled them away from God. They loved this world more than they loved God. You know, that's what it says over there in 2 Timothy 4.10. It talks about Demas has forsaken me, for he has loved this present world. You know, when Paul was locked up, just about everybody had deserted him. But you know what? God used Paul. And Paul kept on keeping on no matter what happened. And so we got to realize that God loves us. God cares for us. And God wants us to do his work. Look in 2 Corinthians 5, if you would, please. Look at verse uh, 14. You know, I've been in this... uh, Section of Second Corinthians this week, four, five, and six, and I'll tell you what, there's a lot of good stuff here. He says over here in Second Corinthians five fourteen, he says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all that those who live should what? Live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. And then look in verse 18. He says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. He is. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God has called us to a ministry. He's called us to a mission. And if you're a saved individual, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You've got a mission. Your mission is to take care of your family, yes, to vote, to do all those things. But your main priority is to work for Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So, the love of the world and the love of the Father is mutually exclusive. You know, Luke sixteen thirteen says, no servant can serve two masters, right? He's either going to love the one and hate the other. You're either going to love God or you're going to love money. You can't love both of them. But what do we love? What do we care for? What are we seeking? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added. Let's look at the second point. Verse 16. The system of values in the world are contrary to God's values. He says, for all this in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
You know, basically, we can condense the world system to a threefold appeal. Lust of the flesh. Feels good. Let's do it. Lust of the eyes. I see it. I want it. And the pride of life. Look at me. Look what I did. Look who I am. Look what I got. And you know what? That's what the devil uses. The lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. He used it 6,000 years ago. He used it 4,000 years, 2,000 years ago. And he uses it today. I want you to turn with me. Keep your fingers in 1 John and just turn over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. I want to show you something. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was good for food. She was hungry, lust of the flesh. That it was pleasant to the eyes or pleasing to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Desirable to make one wise. What is that? That's the pride of life, isn't it? I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Look in verse 2. I want you to show you something about what happened with Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 2. Back up to verse 1. He says, And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. I think I'd have been hungry a long time before 40 days. But you know what? 40 days he fasted. And afterwards he was hungry. Look at here what it says. Now when the tempter came to him... He said, if you are the Son of God, now the devil didn't doubt that Jesus was the Son of God. He says, since you are the Son of God, that's one of his third class conditional ifs. I'm not a Greek student, but it basically means since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So basically, what I understand is those stones in Israel look a lot like the bread they made. They were kind of round and they looked sort of like the bread. And so there was an eye temptation there, but he was also saying... You know, here, turn this food, these stones, into bread. You know, he's hungry. So there's what? Lust of the flesh, right? Look down in verse 5. Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Here it is, the pride of life. Jesus, you're so important. Throw yourself off the temple and guess what? God will catch you. You're so important. Look down in verse 8. 
Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. You know, the Bible says that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The devil had the right to offer it to Jesus. You know, the Bible said that Jesus had to go to cross for it all to be given to him. And then it goes back to the Father, ultimately. But he had the right to offer. You know what the devil was saying to Jesus? He was saying, push the easy button. You staples commercial. Push the easy button. That's today's society. Push the easy button. Isn't it? We all want the easy way out. Every single one of us. And he said, push the easy button. And guess what? I give it all to you. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die. You don't have to be separated from God here. Just take it. It's yours. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you know what? I say all this today because you know what? Every single one of us are tempted in the same way. Do you know that? I'm going to say something you're not going to like. I don't want to have to say it. But every single one of us have an area in our life where we have a problem. Where we're tempted. Where we're weak. And you know what? The devil knows where our goat's tied. And he knows right where to go get it because the devil and his demons are always watching us. And they know exactly what your problem is. They know exactly what my problem is. They know when to hit us, where to hit us, how to hit us. The narcotics, anonymous people, the AA people, the alcoholics, the drug program people, they call these triggers. You know, I, I, I drink when I get mad, when I get angry, when I get discouraged, when I get frustrated. That's when I get hit, right? But guess what? It's no different with them than it is with us. And every single one of us has an area where we're weak. I don't know what your area is. You don't know what mine is. But we're all weak somewhere, but the devil knows. And he's going to come at every single one of us in one of these three ways. And he's going to try to hit us. Because his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, we've just become so much like the world. Our dress, our clothes, you know... I don't even know what to say, you know, just about the clothing and the way people dress and, you know, hear some of the people saying in the church, if you got it, flaunt it, you know, and stuff like that. And, and apparently I see people in here off and on, that's what they do, you know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to live the Christian life as it is without us causing each other to stumble. You know, I just throw that out there, but there's a hundred other examples. So don't think I'm just picking on you ladies. You know, there's other things that happen that men cause problems for women. I don't know exactly what those are because I ain't a woman. So I don't know what causes all your problems. (laughs) You know, and I don't know what causes all of ours. But, you know, I know certain people deal with certain things. And all of us have problems in areas. That didn't sound real good, did it? <laughs> All of your problems. Y'all shoot me after the service. Let me finish preaching the message. That didn't come out exactly like it was supposed to. 
But y'all know what I mean. And the bottom line is, is every single one of us have a problem. We have an area in our life where we're weak. And maybe your husband doesn't know it, your wife, your son, your daughter, your whoever, but the devil knows. And he knows where and when and how to attack you. You know, and if the devil attacked Adam and Eve that way 6,000 years ago, he attacked Jesus 2,000 years ago. If he attacked Jesus, who do you think? You think he's going to leave us alone? No. I mean, look at what all happened to Paul. And so the devil's roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. First Peter 5, 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, roams about, seeking whom he may devour. And he's devouring a lot of people today. And so, the lust of the flesh, you know, that's our sin nature that's left. You know, when I was saved, I got a new nature. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. But I'm still stuck in this body. You know, that's why God has to get rid of this body. And why he has to give me a new one when he takes, when he comes back and he, he gives us a redeemed body is because he wants to remove all the sin nature, all of the stuff that's in this body. This body remembers the things I used to do before I was saved. Your body remembers things. Your body knows things. Your body likes things. And every single one of us are not are susceptible to the devil and the things that go on. But you know, the once you get saved, you know, before you get saved, you just push the easy button, don't you? And do whatever you want, then you just got to deal with the consequences. But after you get saved, all of a sudden there's a tug of war going on. You know, Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do them. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7. He says, but I thank God through the power of the Holy Spirit, He can deliver me. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit to live in us. And so the bottom line is, is the devil attacks three ways. But you know, we have to do whatever we have to do to get rid of that sin in our life. Because... God has something better, doesn't He? It says over there in James chapter 1, verse 17, I believe it is, or 18. He says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Don't be deceived. You know, He says, sin, the, the desire brings forth sin and sin brings forth, uh, death. And when we, Take hold of that thing that the devil says looks good. It's good for us. We find out there's a hook in it. We find out it doesn't satisfy. We find out it didn't do what it was supposed to do. That we're not really satisfied. And we can't be unless we have Jesus Christ in our life. You know, Jesus didn't come to make us happy and comfortable. But he came to get the glory. And we get the glory by living for Him. You know, the eyes of the flesh want to see more and more. They're never satisfied. 
Job 31.1, write this down, says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then I, should I look upon a young woman to lust after? You know, Proverbs 27.20 says, hell and destruction are never full. So a man's eyes are never satisfied. That's talking about men, mankind in general. Our eyes are never satisfied. We're never full. The more we see, the more we want, the more we want, the more we get, the more we get, the more we want. I don't know who wrote this down, but I wrote this down and I, I like this. It says, we want things that we do not need to buy things with money we do not have in order to impress people whom we do not like. Did you get that? We want things we don't need to buy things with money we do not have in order to impress people we do not like. You know, I listened to Chuck Swindoll, and um, about a month ago, I guess, he said he was building a house a few years ago, and said the builder kept asking, you want this in there, you want that, you want this other thing? And he said, no. He said, why do you keep asking me all these questions? He said, everybody I build houses for wants these things so they can impress other people. So Chuck said, basically, you mean they're building their house for somebody else? And guess what? Folks, that's funny. It's silly. It's, we laugh at it, but we're building our house. We're building our life. We're building our whole being around other people. Do I look good? Do I have the right car? Do I have the right house? Do I live in the right neighborhood? Do I own and own and own and own? That's it. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. James 4.16 says, But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You know, the James, James says that basically, he says, Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, we, we, even these guys, man, they can stuff a basketball and they make all this big money. It's ridiculous what they make. You know, and cry and whine, act like a bunch of babies. But yeah, we sit there and idolize them all. But the bottom line is, is everything they can do, they can do because God gave them that ability. And I can practice 24 hours a day, seven days a week, choir, and I can't sing like (laughs) y'all. You know, it's just not going to happen. I just don't have the voice. God didn't give me that ability. Yeah, we work at it. Yeah, we hone it. Yeah, we practice. But we can only go as far as God lets us go, right? We can only go as far as that ability we've been given. And only a select few can hit those certain places, whether it's sports or music or instruments, you know. Giftedness. God gives you that gift. 
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.